Hello and welcome to Live from the Space Shed, a podcast all about space and science hosted by me, John Spooner, and me. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I mean you. <laughs> Mini John. Long story short, a few years ago I accidentally set up my own space agency based out of the shed at the bottom of my garden. Turns out that if you go around telling people you're the director of human spaceflight operations for the unlimited space agency wearing an orange spacesuit, more people than you might think want to play along. And now the British astronaut Tim Peake is our patron and he took me with him to space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, alright, he took you with him to space. So Mini John became UNSA's first astronaut. Since then, we've been touring in UNSA's mobile headquarters, The Space Shed, to festivals like Latitude and Blue Dot, telling stories, talking to some super cool space and science people, and we've recorded our chats so you can find out about their amazing work as well. Yes, Mini John? I don't know. But I do know someone who does. Yeah, this week's guest in Live from the Space Shed is astrophysicist and science communicator Dr. Jen Gupta. <laughs> An astrophysicist is well they're you see they well they're um they're really, really clever and they know everything about the universe, including the answer to your question. It is sick, isn't it? <laughs> Okay, let's go. Enjoy this episode of Live from the Spaceship. Thanks for turning me on, Simon. One of my favourite things about the Space Shed is I get to meet very, very cool people, uh, space scientists, space engineers. And this afternoon, uh, does anyone here have any questions about space, the universe, life, anything? You've got... So one guy... The, front, the rest of you are... But this, we, there is a little bit of interaction that's going to... This, but this is it. It's like when you... Hi. We're getting there, I know. It's like some of you have been here a few days. It's, it's tiring, I know it is. Um, but look, we're joined now by someone who has the answers to all of those things. Uh, she's a brilliant astrophysicist. Would you please give a faraway forest welcome to Jen Gupta? <laughs> Jen. Hi, welcome. Come in. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Uh, you hello. look awesome. <laughs> Jen Pick has all the space gear. We've got hat, shoes, shoes, and bum bag. Yep. Uh, how are you earrings, doing? Earrings, necklace. Oh, I didn't know the earrings. Yeah, I've got Saturn on that side. And what's on the other side? I've got a star on that side. So you see, there couldn't be anyone here more space than Jen. No one here no more one. space I, than I am a, a self-confessing space nerd. You are. Well, space nerd, but you've got better titles than that, right? You are. This is my, my favourite job title in the world, astrophysicist. You are an yeah. astrophysicist. Well, I'm an astrophysicist when I want to not talk to people about it because it's a bit intimidating. I normally say astronomer because that sounds a bit friendlier and then... Yeah, but astrophysicist people. is cool. It's very cool. It is yeah, yeah. cool. But yeah. today, OK, so we're doing friendly. So we, we, you're an astronomer. An astronomer. Uh, you work at the University of Portsmouth. Yep, yep. Yep. Um, and you know the answers to everything there is about the universe, yeah? Um, 
Yeah, fine. Yeah. We definitely haven't invented 96% of the universe. Okay, well, okay, well, that's a great start, right? Yeah. We haven't invented 96%, so we're like the 4%. You know, that's, that's the good side of inequality. People always talk about being in the 1%. We're in the 4%, everybody. Yeah. That's great news. But it's really good of you to join us. And I'm going to ask Jen some questions, get some easy ones out of the way, and then we're going to give you the opportunity to ask her some, some, maybe some more difficult ones. So start with an easy one. Jen, how did the universe begin? Don't know. There you go. That's what all there the scientists say. We don't know. No. See, easy. <laughs> no, so um, the, the, the idea that we have is this thing called the Big Bang. And what we say is that the Big Bang happened 13.8 billion years ago. A long time ago. Um, but then you could ask what happened before that. And so I like to, to say that we can use physics and we can use science to rewind history and rewind the universe back. Science is cool. Yeah. And we get to a point 13.8 billion years ago and then we can't go beyond that. We definitely can't. So there's nothing. There was we don't know. Physics breaks down at that point. Oh, so sad. Yeah. Uh, can we get it an MOT? <laughs> so we could. There could have been something before the Big Bang, but we we just don't know what that would we be. We really don't know. Do you have any ideas about what was there? You've got to have some sort of idea. You can't, mm, mm. I don't think anyone here is going to be happy with the answer. Well, we don't know. I mean, that's my answer to a lot of things. <laughs> the universe is really big. There's so much out there. That's my answer. How big is the universe? <laughs> really big. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's uh, really old as well. And there yeah. was nothing before it. Uh, that's that's weird. Very, I mean, the universe is weird. The universe is weird. Yeah. What's, the weird what's your favourite thing? What's the thing that you think is most weird about what you've learnt about the universe being an astronomer? I like the term of what happens to you if you fall into a black hole. Yeah. You would, uh, you would undergo spaghettification. And so that basically just means that you get stretched out like spaghetti because if you're falling into a black hole feet first, the gravity from the black hole on your feet would be stronger than on your head and so you get stretched out and it's called spaghettification. Cool. No, no not cool. Thing. It's not cool. No. Uh, so don't go close to the black holes. Don't go close to black holes. Unless you want... Show of hands, anyone want to get spaghettified? Yeah, there's, we're at a festival. It's that sort of a weekend. <laughs> there's a load of people really up for getting spaghettified. You're not allowed to. You're too young. <laughs> cool. So spaghettification is the weirdest thing. Why did you want to become an, an astronomer, an astrophysicist? What was the thing that... So I wanted to be an astronaut. Oh. Uh, I went to the Kennedy Space Centre when I was 14 and decided I wanted to be an astronaut. And that lasted about five minutes until I went into an IMAX movie and they told you the height requirements to be an astronaut. And I realised I was half a centimetre too short. No. Uh, yeah. So that dream died. Oh. That was a good 14th birthday. And so I thought if I can't go into space, I could study space from the ground. And so that's kind of what, what switched me on to astrophysics. And this is something that anyone could do, right? Yeah, all of you can be astronomers tonight. If you want to stay up until it's dark, you can go out and look at the stars, you can look at the planets, the moon, anything, you know. What should we be looking out for in the sky tonight? Because it is a beautiful, clear sky. And I was going to bed, I don't know what time it was last night, but the sky <laughs> was stunningly beautiful. And yeah. you can see some planets at the moment, right? Yeah, see, now he's put me on the spot because the thing that we don't let on is that professional astrophysicists don't tend to know what's in the sky. Like, I have no idea where any of the galaxies are that I study. I don't know that you should be telling them <laughs> I know, this. I mean, I know, you could tell them... It was anything and they would believe you i did see mars the other night so i think mars is still in the sky quite low on the horizon i got home and i saw this really 
bright red thing in the sky. And I actually I went inside and I double checked on an app because I wasn't quite sure. I was like, it can't be Mars. It's too bright. But it, uh, is, but it it's was really yeah. super bright yeah, at the moment. Yeah, I saw it yeah. the other day and was confused as to what it was. Someone said, is that a satellite? No. I said, it's a planet. I didn't know which one it was. Yeah. So basically anyone can be an astrophysicist. Yeah. You, do, you don't know how anything began. <laughs> and you just say there's stars in the sky. How many stars, stars in, the, in the universe? Um, Lots. <laughs> a one with 22 zeros after it is how many stars would be in all the galaxies that we could observe with the Hubble Space Telescope. The Hubble te- Space oh, That's a good yeah. telescope name. Yeah. They're not all very good telescope names, are they? No, no, no. So astronomers are really bad at naming telescopes. When they're on the ground, though, there's some on top of a mountain in Chile that's called the Very Large Telescope. <laughs> they're building the next one. And I wish I was joking for this. The next one's going to be called the Extremely Large Telescope. <laughs> <laughs> they've done very, they've done extremely, and then there were plans for an overwhelmingly large telescope. <laughs> that one, that one got scrapped. If you were naming a telescope, yeah. what, what, it was mm. really big, mm. what, what name would you want to well, give Well, see, it? this is the problem, because actually it's quite a lot of pressure to name a telescope. A lot okay. of them get named after, after famous astronomers, and so one of my favourite historic astronomers was called Margaret Huggins and she never she didn't really get much credit for her work it all the credit went to her husband so I'd probably call it like the Margaret Huggins telescope it's that patriarchy yeah yeah. I'm not even joking it's that's that's awful yeah I mean this this was this was you know over 100 years ago um but but it's happened more recently as well it's like so Jocelyn Bell Burnell uh very famous I'll let you do it. You're the expert. <laughs> Jocelyn Bell Burnell discovered... Yeah, so Jocelyn Bell, I think it might be her birthday today. I think I saw on Twitter. That's so cool! Yeah. Happy birthday, Joss. But she discovered these things called pulsars, which are what's left over from a dead star. And they, they spin round very fast and they give off radio waves and x-rays and you can kind of see them as a little blip if you point a radio telescope at one. Um, and she discovered them. She wrote down, it's really great if you see a picture of her original observation, she wrote LGM next to it um, for little green men because they thought it might be aliens because it was so regular. Um, but it turns out it's these natural things called pulsars. But she didn't get the credit for her, for it. Her PhD supervisor got the Nobel Prize. No, this is yeah. we are looking to smash the patriarchy. Please, uh, can we? Uh, answer. Let's do that. <laughs> and if if you are one of those guys, stop nicking everything. Yeah. <laughs> tell you the other thing I was really excited about. Um, Jen has this very very cool project. Can you tell us about the tactile universe? This is one of my favourite things. Tactile universe is a project we're doing at the University of Portsmouth, where we're trying to come up with ways to explain our galaxy research to people with vision impairments or people who are blind because you know we talk about astronomy I just talked about looking up at the stars and, and seeing what planets are there how do you convey those concepts how how does someone who can't see kind of get an appreciation of the universe so we're 3d printing images of galaxies so we take a picture of a galaxy we see where it's brightest and then we raise that highest above the base and then we where there's no light coming from anything where it's the background that's the base and then we scale everything in between and then you can feel the shape of the galaxy instead can i get a galaxy for the shed maybe i'll see what i can do oh maybe <laughs> okay i'm gonna have to work. i've got to play it cool you guys i can't go out promising them to everyone that is a super cool project and i think yeah. it's a really interesting to me just the like you say the assumption that gets made uh, that we all have access to this thing and actually yeah. a lot of people will never get that thing so look up tonight if you can appreciate we don't right it's britain it's four weeks of no rain and clear skies <laughs> it's not going to last uh, yeah. so look up tonight and look at the planets and the stars if you can if you can't get in touch with jen and she'll give you a galaxy to feel yeah yeah tactileuniverse.org um we're starting to put the models uh the files to print them online as well so if any of you have access to a 3d printer you could print your own galaxy at home 
Cool. Just, just like that. That's Print fine. your own galaxy. And yeah. um, this is the stuff that, as a, like, as a kid, I never. Th there wasn't this stuff, and it's amazing. Yeah. This is. I, yeah. I, I'm like you. I am that space nerd, but I didn't study astronomy. I studied how to. I didn't really study. I just sort of make stuff up. <laughs> um, so look, Jen, like I say, has all the answers to everything. Who? needs to know something about the universe. We're going to go down here. Girl in the pink hat. What does a galaxy look like? What does a galaxy look like? Oh, excellent. What does a galaxy look like? So there's two real shapes of galaxies that we get. Um, our galaxy, the Milky Way, is a spiral galaxy. Um, so I like to think of them like two fried eggs stuck back to back, if you can imagine that. Um, I have the best analogies. Um, so you have this like ball of yolk in the middle, and then you'd have this disc of egg white around it. So that's kind of like the 3D shape of our galaxy. But the egg white would be these kind of spiral arms of stars instead of being this like solid mass. And then we get these things called elliptical galaxies, which basically look like blobs of stars. So you can think of them being shaped like a football or a rugby ball. And when we look at galaxies with our telescopes, you don't see the individual stars in them because they're so far away. You see all the light kind of adding up. Um, together and those are the two main types and then we get really weird ones my favorite galaxy well one of my favorite galaxies looks like a penguin <laughs> what's it called yeah, we call it we call it the penguin it galaxy. Is called the penguin it's galaxy. got an official name but official names are all like letters and numbers yeah they're and... boring again they're like yeah, the telescopes exactly it's like e941x yeah yeah penguin much yeah. better you so see? if you look up the penguin galaxy um so my colleagues even got nasa to point the hubble space telescope at it because it's really interesting because it's shaped like a penguin. How did that happen? My mate, and it looks like it's sitting over an egg. My mate pointed the Hubble telescope at the <laughs> Penguin Galaxy for me. That's such a cool job. That was a great answer to your question, right? If you could name a galaxy, what would you name it? Jeff. <laughs> yes. I mean, I wasn't asking you, but that's a great galaxy. You can have the, she, she can have that one, right? I'll tell you what. You can't. So galaxies get really boring names. But if you discover a minor planet, so like an, a, a big asteroid or something like that in the solar system, you do get to name it. So I do have friends who've got astro like minor planets named after them. I don't have one named after me yet. So if any of you want to find one, it's considered bad form to name it after yourself. So if anyone wants to find one and name it after me, I'd really appreciate it. <laughs> Tell you what, I'll find one for you and call it Jen yeah, Doctor. Yeah. You find one for me, which is much more likely, <laughs> and call it John Spooner. Yes, that's a deal. Brilliant. I'm going to shake your hand on that. Yes, I like Done. it. Done. Find me. A yeah, <laughs> that's so cool. What would you call your galaxy? Star Swirl. Yeah. That's a that's good one. Cool. Okay, Jeff and Star Swirl. <laughs> sound like they're a couple. Aww. Um, Brilliant. Good question. I'm coming to you. Uh, there's a slightly smaller... Per yes. This is Phil, everyone, by the way. Grand Chris. Phil's birthday today. Happy birthday, Ooh. Phil! Happy birthday. <laughs> How many atoms do you think there are in your universe? Ooh. How many atoms do you think there are in the universe? That is an excellent question. I could work it out but I'd have to go look up some numbers. It would be so many you wouldn't be able to count. You know, how, you know how there's loads and loads of stars in the galaxies, but then those will be made up of like millions and billions and trillions of atoms. Um, so, it'd, yeah, a lot. It's, it's like a lot of these universe questions, right? It's loads, like loads, more than you loads. can imagine. Yeah. And I bet you're thinking, I can imagine loads. Yeah, you can't. You can't imagine. Like Jen's going, I don't know. I mean, even with maths, I don't know that I'd be able to do it. No, I would be able to calculate a number for you, but it wouldn't make any sense to me because there would be so many zeros after it that it's just an unimaginably big number. You've got the internet. 
Wow, okay, I haven't had any internet all weekend. That's amazing. So 10 to the, 10, 10 to the 80. So yeah, so write, write a one with 80 zeros after it. That doesn't sound enough. I don't think that sounds enough. What's your source? So if you're gonna use stuff on the internet, you Google. have to Google, yeah. Uh, that's one answer. Jen's answer is we don't know. <laughs> but you've, you're on much sort of surer ground. You're gonna leave here <laughs> certain of something, which is great. Okay, cool, thank you. Yeah. I'm gonna, he's been very patient. We're gonna, the man with the excellent hat and the shades at the back there. My question is, uh, in the film in the film Interstellar, is there any proper physics? I love these questions. There is a lot of proper physics in Interstellar. The bit, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but the, once once they get into a black hole, that's, just, all, that's definitely a spoiler, isn't that's it? That's all nonsense. That was a spoiler. <laughs> I wonder what's going to happen in this film. <laughs> oh, they've ended up in a black hole. <laughs> my husband accused me of not being able to think in like 13 dimensions. That was my problem, apparently, with it. Um, <laughs> Such nerdy... <laughs> Is it usually like pillow talk? <laughs> <laughs> and actually, the, the simulations they did of black holes in Interstellar were so good that they published it. I did a comedy night a few months ago with one of the people who worked on the special effects side of the black hole bit in Interstellar. And she actually is now a published author of an astrophysics paper because they teamed up with some astrophysicists, including Kip Thorne, who won the Nobel Prize, I think, this year um, for astrophysics. And so they worked together. And because you need such a detailed, you know, to make it work on film, you need to really understand it and make it so detailed. It was one of the most detailed simulations they've ever done of a black hole. So they wrote it up and published it. That is um, really very, very cool. This is art and science coming yeah. together to make published astrophysics papers that inspire millions of people around the world. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was, a, there was a lot of little things in it that I didn't... The, there were a few little things in it that I didn't quite like, but on the whole, yeah, the, the, the actual black hole simulations were really good. And I don't mind if the science isn't right as long as, as, long as it's a good movie. I really agree, right? My favourite sci-fi film in which there is no good science is Armageddon. Which oh, no, we're no, not going to... Let's not get into that. No, no, no. I know it's very, very... <laughs> it's very Boise, and I accept that, but it is the seventh best film ever made. <laughs> We're going to be arguing later on. It is the first, it's the first uh, movie I ever bought on, on DVD. Yes, you see. And this was so long ago that they couldn't fit all the movie on one side, so you had to turn the DVD <laughs> over halfway through. <laughs> Daddy! See, there's characters that you care about in there. Yeah. The Steve but, I mean, I was is like, on an asteroid, I was like riding a missile, it... firing guns that were going, we got best seats to the end of the universe. That's a spoiler. I was 12 when it came out, so... I was a bit was, older. Yeah. <laughs> what is your favourite sci-fi film? I'm a big Star Wars nerd. Yeah? Yeah. Few yeah, you've got to go for the classics. Yeah. got to go for the classics, yeah. Why did you ask that question? Was that because you wanted to be sure that you were going out into the world quoting Interstellar correctly? Oh, okay, so he's basically having the same conversation that we're yeah. having about whether or not the film is any good. <laughs> Just about uh, Interstellar. Okay, cool. Thank you. Yes, girl in the blue top. Oh, you didn't have your hand Ooh. up. You were just pointing. <laughs> oh, because we've got the Millennium Falcon there from Star Wars. Yeah. Good yeah. spot. Good spot. I have noticed that. We love Star Wars yeah. as well. Um, There'll be a tactile galaxy in there soon, don't you worry. High five. <laughs> yes. How do you... How big is space? Well, that's a good question. It's like, it all sounds... Honestly, I think... How old are you? Four? Yeah, and your head's being really done in right now. With all this, like... How big is space, Jen? I don't know. 
She doesn't know. It might go on forever. Just keep drinking the Pepsi. Yeah. Sorry, that was a great question. Yeah, we, it's, it's a really tough question. That's, that's one of my favourite questions, actually, because we can't really answer it, because it might just be infinite. It might just go on forever and ever. Stop doing his head in. <laughs> it might go on forever. So what is beyond the universe? Yeah. <laughs> We're at a music festival. Come on. <laughs> Um, no, I don't know. Um, one way that I like to think about it, and I'm not saying this is right, but this is a one way to kind of visualise um, how it could kind of go on forever, is thinking about there being more dimensions to space than what than what we understand. So we live in a three dimensional um, three dimensional world. We can go up and down, left and right, um, forward and back. Then we have time, and so maybe there's more dimensions than that, but our brains just can't just like your your face right now our brains can't <laughs> comprehend it um because Sorry. the question the actual the question i i often get is because the universe is expanding but what's it expanding into and so i can try and explain that um in this way of dimensions Wh- should i try so who wants jen to try and explain yeah what the via dimensions this might not be the right answer but this is a way that i like to think about it can you all imagine that you're ants and you're living on a piece of string Okay, if you're an ant living on a piece of string, you can go forward and backwards along along that piece of string and you can loop the loop around that piece of string. Um, and so you live in two dimensions. And then you could imagine me taking that piece of string and making it into a loop. And so you still can go forward and backwards and you can loop the loop, but now you'll never come to the end of it. So to you, that piece of string would go on forever. But then you just don't realise that actually that piece of string is contained within a box or something that has a third dimension and I could stretch it out and I could make your universe bigger. But to you, it would be infinite and it would have no end. But it would be getting bigger. Does that make sense? He doesn't... He, he gets... I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm still... I'm having loads of fun. <laughs> Being an ant on a swing, being swung around. I didn't really get past. It was who's who's there? Who's in the other dimensions? Kind of like, getting that. It's yeah. like a couple of people tend to be. Yeah, I'm there. Yeah. I'm in the dimensions. Yeah. I think that's that's good. I'm gonna because yeah. we're recording this, so I'm gonna go back and listen to this and <laughs> go through the visualization process. That was good. Pink hatted person again, and then you, and then you, and then you. What's your favourite part of being an astro astronomer? I think that's the new job title, Jen. She had. <laughs> it's good. I just like that there's so much we don't know about the universe. To some people, that's really unsatisfying, you know, just thinking about how little we know. But to me, it's really exciting. I think that it's one of the things that makes us humans is to be curious about the world we live in and to be curious about the universe we live in. And the fact that I get to go to work every day um, and think about those questions. And actually, a lot of my job is coming and doing stuff like this and talking to other people about the universe and hoping to um, get you all interested and, and break down those barriers of, of people thinking it's too hard to understand um so yeah just the fact that there's so much out there we don't know i think is really exciting that's a beautiful thing to to enjoy about it um are you thinking about maybe becoming an astro astronomer yeah you want to be a singer but you're how 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 old are you 
six, ten, sorry. <laughs> sorry, you've got loads of time. <laughs> but you could you could be a singer and an, ast- an astrophysicist, right? You could yeah. make songs so about... When when I was when I was in school, I actually wanted to be a musician as well. My ambition was a bit nerdier. I decided I wanted to. I, w- I played the flute, and I decided I wanted to play in the London Philharmonic Orchestra, cool. so I could play on the Star Wars Episode Three soundtrack. <laughs> That's such a brilliant ambition. Very specific it was very, yeah, goal. Yeah. <laughs> I also wanted to be the first drummer in space. When I still wanted to be an astronaut, I wanted to take my drum kit up into space because I don't think anyone's done that yet. Lots of people are taking guitars. But. It's really impractical, right? What do you, the most, the least practical element of the band. You want to be a full drum kit? Or full d- drum kit, yeah. <laughs> Why not? Brilliant. Okay. Uh, we can make anyone here. Is anyone here able to make that happen for Jen? Anyone know anyone that might be able to make that happen? I mean, you're probably quite well connected in that way. But you never, you never know who's at these things, sort of hiding. Come and see us afterwards. If you think you can get a drum kit into space, yeah, I Jen mean, would love that. I mean, Elon Musk sent a car recently. Couldn't he, he could have just sent a drum kit for me. You should get Elon to... Yeah, I just got on the phone to Elon Musk. Anyone know Elon Musk? Anyone? You do. <laughs> Not personally. Okay. Right, I see. But you know who he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, look, like I said, you know... Dr- Come and speak to us after. I know you might not want, you might go, oh, I'm not going to let everyone know that I know Elon Musk. (laughs) Come and have a quiet word with Jen afterwards. Gentleman in the green hat here. Can we go forwards or backwards in time? Can we go forwards or backwards in time, Jen? I don't think i mean this is going a little bit beyond my area of expertise i don't think that time travel as you have it in the movies is feasible um certainly not at this moment going back in time certainly but what we can do is we can look back in time because light has a has a speed limit so actually when we observe all these galaxies um in space we're seeing light that was emitted by those galaxies millions of years ago um, and so we're seeing them in the past which is really weird when you actually I say this stuff and then I sit down and I think about it <laughs> like did I just say that but even the sun even the sun's light that's hitting us now actually left the sun eight minutes ago so no one look at the sun please never look directly at the sun but if you use a solar telescope to observe the sun that blocks out nearly all the sun's light you're actually seeing it eight minutes in the past which is really weird it is weird. It's really weird. Time does move differently as well, depending on um, how fast you're moving. Um, so going back to Interstellar, another thing that happened in Interstellar is that when they got Spoiler near alert. a black hole, time moved differently. Um, and so that's kind of one way for time travel to happen. But To go um, into a black hole? No, just to go really, really fast. Oh, I see, sorry. So if you just go really, 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 really fast, time will slow down for you. Um, and so you experience time in a different way um, to how time would ex- be experienced here on Earth. And when you say really fast, not like 110 miles an hour. No, no. Like, like really, n- nearly the nearly the speed of light. Yeah, you got you want to get you want to get pretty close to the to, to the speed of light. Because um, uh, space vehicles, like once they're in space, cause no friction, all those sorts of things, they travel really quick, right? They can go like 36,000 kilometers an hour, faster than that, 86, like the. Mars uh, vehicles will travel at like 90,000 kilometres an hour. Is that fast enough to experience time differently? I don't know off the top of my head. Um, But what will happen if when you're up in space is that because you're further away from the Earth, you experience gravity slightly differently. So you're experiencing weaker gravity than we do down here on Earth. So actually... (laughs) 
it did end suddenly, MJ. For unknown technical reasons, we somehow managed to stop recording just before the actual end of the conversation. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jen. Thanks for listening to this episode of Live from the Space Shed. Next time, I'm chatting with particle physicist Professor John Butterworth. Yes, Mini John, I did record all of that one. Thanks very much for asking. John works on the Atlas experiment at the Large Hadron Collider at CERN. His job is to smash particles together in the hope of radically transforming our understanding of the universe. I know, right? So, please subscribe to Live from the Space Shed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at untheatre, that's U-N-theatre. And you can find full details and social links at our website, thespaceshed.com. You're not allowed to smash particles. Well... First, because you're only eight and you can't even eat your cereal without spilling it everywhere. <laughs> yeah, well, I spill less than you. And second, you don't have a large hadron collider. <laughs> no, no, you really don't. Third, look, let me finish saying goodbye to this lot, then we can discuss your potential career path so you can smash atoms. <laughs> Live from the Space Shed is an unlimited theatre production with Season 1 brought to you in association with the Science and Technologies Facilities Council, the Cockcroft Institute, the Space and Arts Council England, with special thanks to Dr. Rob Appleby of Manchester University. Our theme music is Go by Public Service Broadcasting, used with their extremely kind permission. Our sound engineer and editor is Andy Wood, with additional sound design by Elena Pena. The show is produced by John Spooner and Alice Massey, with support from our friends at Story Things. Live from the Space Shed is an unlimited theatre production on behalf of the Unlimited Space Agency. <laughs> it's... It's a large hadron collider, not a padron collider. <laughs> You're so funny. See you for more live from the space shed soon. Bye.